to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. As I sat down to write the notes for, for this uh, particular podcast, I was listening to a song. It was on a, one of those trop rock radio stations that I so like to listen to as I'm uh, doing my work. And, and the song is kind of a country song, and it asks this simple question. When did I stop growing up and start getting old? And for me, that kind of marks that awareness of what happens when sometimes people find themselves in a bit of a, a life crisis, a midlife crisis. So for the next couple of weeks, I thought we would talk about this midlife crisis and how we move through it. I've already stated midlife crisis and how we move through it. So obviously, I believe that there is such a thing as a midlife crisis. A few years ago, a lot of research came out that kind of questioned that. In fact, all of the headlines screamed that there is no such thing as a midlife crisis. And yet, day after day, I was dealing with people coming into my office in a midlife crisis. The reason is because the research was aimed at the wrong thing. What the research was trying to figure out is, is there an across-the-board place where people get unhappy at midlife? And the problem is, happiness is the wrong scale of what's going on. So when I watch people marching through their midlife crisis, it's not about happiness at all. It's not even on the scale. In fact, the problem is because they're looking for a difference in happiness, sometimes people tell me that it's not that they were happy before and suddenly unhappy after. It's like they woke up. I remember the first time I was working with a couple that the man had gone into a midlife crisis. This was years ago, early in my career. And I kept trying to get him to understand that marriage was important. And he looked at me, he said, you don't get it. And he was right. I didn't get it. I was in my 20s. I didn't have a lot of experience in this. And he said, you don't get it. I woke up one day and it was like there was a whole nother set of lenses on my eyes. It was like I put on a new pair of glasses and I was seeing things completely different. The color was different. The textures were different. Everything was different. And he said, I don't know what this is, but I do know that I can't go back to where I was. I knew from some instinct that he was describing a midlife crisis, that he'd gotten to the place, that midlife point when things were no longer working out. He was a high-powered attorney. He wasn't happy with his job. He'd been doing some things that were probably a bit shady and would pay the price later on. He was not happy in his marriage. He really just wasn't where he needed to be. And so he was ripe for a crisis. But here's the thing. Many of us get to midpoint, ripe for a crisis, because the midlife crisis is a call for transformation. So while the researchers may be proclaiming that there is no such thing as a midlife crisis, I can tell you that day after day, week after week, year after year, I've watched as marriages got into trouble, as individuals got frustrated as individuals began to seek out something else in the middle of life. So what is it we call that? Well, I still believe that midlife crisis is exactly what we call it. It's a crisis that's a transition point. It's that place where we're no longer growing up, but we're realizing we're facing something else. We do still need to grow and develop and change, but we're no longer growing up. We've gotten to that place where we've established adulthood, Most people hit that point somewhere in their 40s into their 50s. 
Some people never hit that question. Some people don't have the need or desire to have that question. Other people have it a little bit earlier, depending on what triggers it. So as we start thinking about midlife, I just thought today that maybe I would discuss a few midlife crisis myths. Now, understand that's not the same as saying the myth of a midlife crisis, but midlife crisis myths. So we can kind of get on the same page as what we're talking about. The first one that I would say is that there is the myth that there's no such thing as a midlife crisis. In fact, right after that report came out, I had many, many people contacting me saying, well, see, my, my husband, my wife's been faking it. It's, there's no such thing as a midlife crisis. They said it. Unfortunately, most of those same people never read the original study that, that kind of provoked that in the media. The media loves to overstate things, and this is one of them. So that's the first myth I want to put aside. There absolutely is a midlife crisis, but let's look at it from a different angle. A midlife crisis is really a transformational point. I had someone come into my office one time and he said, you know, I've been doing some crazy stuff. I bought a new car and got a new haircut and, and I've gone back to the gym and my wife says, you're having a midlife crisis. And you know what? I'm thinking that maybe she's right. And I don't know what to do. I need to get beyond this. And I said, well, congratulations. And he said, what, what do you mean congratulations? I said, well, congratulations is in order, not in how you're doing this, but the fact that you're doing it, the fact that you're feeling something at midlife. So congratulations that you've made it to this point where you're ready for something bigger, because that's what midlife crisis is calling for, something bigger. A midlife crisis is a crisis in self-identity. It's a place where we realize that how we've done things hasn't gotten us to where we imagined they would. I believe that there are really a dividing point in life. There is a dividing point in life that are, is based in a, a few things. Carl Jung, one of the, uh, the contemporaries of Freud, said the same, that at midlife, we have finished developing those areas and we're ready for something new. We've stopped building and we're ready for meaning. I believe that those three areas that are particularly under uh, scrutiny during a midlife crisis is achievement, accumulation, and accolades, because that's what the first half of life was about, achieving. You spend your time going to school and following the path, knowing that that's going to get to the place where you have everything you want, not realizing that everything you want is something you didn't even know about. So we achieve and achieve and achieve, and we look for different places where we can get that, that achievement behind us. Maybe for you, it was grades or sports or school or career or somewhere else that you felt that place where you could just achieve, and then finally one day, the achievement runs hollow. It's just not doing what it once did. Achievement is a first half of life. Now, that doesn't mean you can't achieve more later in life, but the motivation changes. The second area, the second A, is accumulation. We spend that first half accumulating. We want wealth. We believe that accumulation, and this is the real heart of it, we believe that accumulation is what's going to make us happy. The next toy, the next piece of property, the next bank account, something is going to make us feel like we've made it, so we keep accumulating, waiting for the point when we have enough. Years ago, I had a client who came in and was telling me how he just didn't know if his, his family was going to make it the next few months. 
He told me how he was worried about paying the bills and he was worried about what was going to happen with his properties and what was going to happen with his business. And he just didn't know if he could keep up. And I felt kind of bad for him because I knew he lived a pretty big lifestyle. And so I said, so how bad is it? Not sure what was behind it. I said, so how bad is it? He said, well, I've only got about $3 million in the bank. And I realized that this was that fictitious place where accumulation was supposed to make him feel safe and make him feel successful. And accumulation was no longer working. Now, that doesn't mean at midlife you get rid of everything. You may continue to find toys. You may continue to build up your wealth. But you realize that the accumulation isn't going to do it. It begins to run hollow. The third area is accolades. We spend our first half wanting other people to look at us and give us an external view that makes us feel better internally. Somewhere along the way, we realize that no matter how many people say nice things about us, it doesn't get inside because we don't let it in. So the accolades begin to run hollow. That doesn't mean that later in life you want everybody to say bad things about you. It's just that your motivation is no longer around getting somebody to say something nice about you. It's no longer around trying to get the attention. It begins to shift to an internal perspective, to recognizing that whatever happens next is on you. It's on the inside. So is there a midlife crisis? Absolutely. The second myth is that somehow midlife crisis is just a trivial thing about vanity. We see the stereotypes everywhere around us. It's in our music. It's in our movies. It's in our books. It's that person who just is hit with vanity. You know, there's aging and maybe a paunchy belly, and and suddenly they want to look young again. So they go grab a new convertible and get the hair plugs and change their dress and hit the gyms and start tanning and all of those other stereotypes that are out there. Now, let me be clear that probably at some point people recognize that they have neglected their physical life, and so they might go back to the gym, eat better, try to do a little better job with their grooming, try to look as good as they can for their age. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the midlife crisis. In fact, what I've watched is that when people start there, they start there because that's what they think might make them better because they're doing the exact same thing they were doing before, finding that other toy, so accumulate something else. Get people to look at them and think that they are younger than they are, so accolades. But what happens along the way is it's not making them feel better. Midlife crisis is not a crisis of vanity. It's a crisis of meaning. It's a crisis of purpose. It's a crisis of impact. The next myth is they just need to get over it. I hear this so many times from people that feel like that whoever's having the crisis is just given an excuse for their immaturity. I hear it from spouses. I hear it from kids. I hear it from friends. When they say the person having the crisis is just a crybaby, is just wanting to be young again, wanting to chase youth again. My experience is that when people are really in a midlife crisis, it has nothing to do with wanting to be in a crisis and nothing to do with wanting people to treat them carefully. It has everything to do with the fact that life is upside down, that there is a crisis that's come that they don't know what to do, which leads to that other myth that midlife crisis happens at the midpoint of life. First, let's be very clear that none of us are able to guess when we're at the midpoint of life. 
I've known several people who were in the middle of a midlife crisis only to die. I've known some people who had a midlife crisis somewhere in their late 20s. I've known people who had a midlife crisis somewhere in their late 60s. So if I do the math, they were way off the midpoint. If we look at midlife as a period of time that spans the point when we have have kind of gotten through the education process and we've gotten through the early part of our career and we've established some relationships around us, that's the beginning point. And then there's the ending point where maybe it's when, when we're at the point where we can no longer really do what we need to do in the world. That's the span that might be a midlife crisis age. So if we were to put rough estimates on it, somewhere in the late 20s to 60s, mid-60s. If we were to span that down, it often comes 40s and 50s. The reason is because we, at that point, we have established our career. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to make that next place. So let's talk about what a midlife crisis really is about. A midlife crisis is a time of asking What is this all about? What am I doing here? What is going to be my life legacy? Because you see, when you shift away from accumulation and achievement and accolades, you're left wondering what legacy there is. What are you going to do that leaves this world better than it was when you came in? My belief is that all of us have an innate need to find meaning with what's happening in our lives, to have a purpose in our lives, and to make a difference, an impact in the world around us. And whenever that's not happening, we find ourselves feeling very stuck. When we find a place of meaning and purpose and impact, then we grow and expand and our world becomes large and we are engaged in it. When we can't find those things, we generally spend in excess, find addictions, get ourselves into trouble, destroy relationships along the way because we don't know what we're looking for. So when I see somebody who's struggling at midlife to try to make sense of it all, and they might be doing some some things that seem very vain, I recognize that they haven't figured out that the real piece behind it is a bit deeper. As Carl Jung said, midlife is about reorganizing all the stuff that's come up until now to put all of that practice in to create the meaning along the way. This is the place where we move from the small goals to the big goals. And the problem is sometimes we don't know those big goals. I can tell you that along the way, I think I can look back on several different mini crises along the way. When I was in my 30s, mid-30s, I had a health crisis. It woke me up to the fact that there was only so much time left that I needed to be making sure that I was building my life of meaning and purpose. And I'll be honest, I think I had been doing that all along. My career had been around helping others, being of service. I created a family service center in the middle of a poverty area. I'd served as a hospital chaplain. I provided counseling in all areas of life. I've coached people to success. I've dealt with organizations that were in trouble and brought them back to health. I had been building a life of meaning and purpose. But when I got sick, after I recovered, I realized that from then on, I was on bonus time. 
the doctor told my wife that there was an 86% chance that I was going to be disabled for life, and eventually what I had would kill me. That catches your attention. That makes you think about what's important in life, and I reassessed. My first little brush with mortality came much before that, though. In fact, I can think back into childhood when my father, a minister, let me go in and see uh, a young person that had died, and it really brought home the fact that life is pretty fragile. And then as a chaplain, I noticed not just how fragile life is, but how desperately we hold on to life. I remember the first time when I was looking at somebody in their hospital bed, and it struck me that they were just like a family member. And it, it caught my attention that that family member was one day going to die. That wakes you up a little bit. But then I remember the moment when that person that was in that bed could have been me. That woke me up to a whole nother level of mortality. And yet still, it took my own illness for me to fully awake to the fact that I needed to make the most of my life. My bonus time, I've spent trying to do more and more to make a difference in the world, to make an impact in the world. This, this podcast is part of that. I figured if I could find some ways of talking in ways that brought people through difficult points in their lives, that taught people that no matter what's coming in life, you can continue to thrive, that would make a difference. So part of what brought me to this place of having written several books and having created several programs on how to thrive in life It's all because I realized one day that I only had so much time, and when the clock struck, I would never know it. But I could always ask, did I do what I could? So that's where we step into the midlife crisis. Can we find a way to move through it? Now, let me assure you that when we talk about the the exit of a midlife crisis, it doesn't mean you end up divorced and driving a crazy new car with a whole new head of hair and a new wardrobe. Those are the flailings around of trying to get there. It also doesn't mean you have to take a vow of poverty and give everything away. There are many people that find a way of tapping into their deepest passions and hopes and to be okay economically, to have a life. So whatever beliefs you come into this midlife crisis question, I'm hoping that you see that there's something else there. If your spouse is the one having a midlife crisis, I hope you see that there's something behind that, that there's a, a new opportunity of growth, that there is a place to say, congratulations, welcome to midlife. Let's make the most of it. If you're the person who is struggling through midlife, let me tell you that even if you don't know what you're aiming for, that something is there. That something is a place of meaning and purpose and making a difference in the world. When you can find meaning in what's happening to you no matter what, when you can create your purpose, and when you can make an impact in the world, that's when you come out on the backside of a midlife crisis in a place that begins to transform the world around you and you at the same time. As we move through these next weeks, we're going to talk about how you deal with those pieces of mortality, pieces of regret and resentment that come at midlife And how to find that place where you plug in your passion, where you find a way of making impact. Come back, join me in the following weeks as we continue our discussion of how you move through a midlife crisis to build a life of meaning, a life of purpose, and a life of impact. 
This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.